Welcome, everyone. It's a wrap with rap. I am your host, Ron Rappaport. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire and motivate, and people who can educate us on an assortment of topics. I have a special guest today, a good friend of mine. My guest is Eric Newman. Eric is the founder and chief play officer of Rock Solid Foundation. And that's spelled R-O-C, Solid Foundation. As a pediatric cancer survivor, uh, Eric is all too familiar with the battle a family faces when their child is diagnosed. And that is what drives him daily toward the vision of one day building hope for every child fighting cancer. Eric is an avid reader and dedicated leader who speaks to large groups regularly, sharing his personal story. With a think big, act small approach, Eric puts the highest value on relationships and those who have supported the organization as it has grown. Eric is with us today to tell us how he found a way to combine his cancer journey with his background in construction to bring joy to families battling pediatric cancer. Welcome, Eric, to the podcast. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Eric, you have such an inspiration and motivational story for our audience. Let's start at the beginning. Can you, sure. please give us, can you please give us a history of your pediatric cancer diagnosis and the history of your family's pediatric cancer concerning uh, Shannon and Nicole? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So we'll start at the beginning and I'll condense it down for the sake of time. Um, when I was three years old, I was diagnosed with a very rare form of liver cancer, hepatoblastoma. And at the age of three, I underwent chemotherapy and they ended up taking close to three quarters of my liver out. Um, they gave my parents a very slim survival rate for me to be here sitting here um, today. And so I was the second child three years old when I was diagnosed and our, can and our family was completely devastated with cancer. So we navigated it. And after about three years, I was put into NED, no evidence of disease. Um, so fast forward a little bit. <clears throat> My dad's sister, her second child, three years old, her name is Shannon. And then Shannon got diagnosed with leukemia at the age of three. And same treatment cycle as I did. And right around five, she got put into remission. And so yet again, our family was completely rattled with cancer. So fast forward a little bit more. My dad's brother, second child, three years old was diagnosed with the inoperable brain tumor. And we ended up losing Nicole. Um, so there was three of us with pediatric cancer. And now there was two of us. Um, and that completely devastated our family. Just every single diagnosis, every single chunk of bad news. We bonded together though. Um, and so life continued on. It was never the same, but it continued on. And so I was 17, or I'm sorry, I had just finished my first round of college, first week of college. And my mom proceeded to call me and tell me that my cousin Shannon um, has relapsed and the cancer came back with a vengeance and took her out very, very fast, very drastic changes in her appearance. And I'll never forget after the passing of Shannon, I was at her graveside and I'm like, holy cow, this thing's going to come back and get me. And so at that moment, I, I threw away the word cancer. I would not talk about it. No one even knew that I really had it back in the day. And I ran from it. Um, and from that, with Shannon's passing, that's when I just decided, I was like, you know what, I'm done with it. But after that, um, it's funny how things tend to come back. But I'm, I've been an entrepreneur. I was the kid at um, really just selling candy at, in fourth grade, right? I've always had that entrepreneurial mindset. 
Right. So once Shannon passed away, I decided I was going to work hard, party hard and play hard. And that's what I did. I was probably bet the best at playing hard, right? I'm a big time <laughs> surfer. Um, and I mean, partying, I was probably, I was probably one of the best. On that Not too, too bad at that either. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was pretty good at that. So my, my family has just been completely um, riveted with the C word. I call it cell block C. Right. Um, cell block C. Um, I'm just out on parole kind of, you get what I mean? So I get what you um, mean, it's just, yes. it's been a, it's been a huge impact on my family. Eric, can you discuss uh, your business endeavors after you graduated high school? Oh, yeah. So even it was after high school and even in high school, I started a lawn care company. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I fix things. I, I see the problems and I like to try to make money and fix the problems. So I started a lawn care company, did fairly well with that. Um, and then I ended up selling it. And then I got into construction and in construction, it was doing great. And I look good, man. I had the trucks. I had the cars. I had everything that the world said I should have. Uh, but in 2008, um, everything, I kind of lost everything in that moment. So um, that's where my journey of life kind of tends to take a little uh, loop for the better, I would say. But I had to hit rock bottom before everything changed. Right. So tell us a little bit about... Uh, because I know the story. Your company in 2008 goes down, like you said. Tell, tell us what, what, what you did after that. So with the construction, um, losing everything. See, I'd put my identity in my construction company. And when I ended up losing the construction company, I didn't really know who I was. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I believed. And I call it a curbside moment. Um, I, had like, I had like three cell phones. Um, I owed people a bunch of money and it was probably one of the worst moments, but I had my hands in my head on the curb and my phones were ringing. I had payroll that I had to meet. And the guy that I was in business with ended up going completely out of business and I got left holding a bill. Um, but that mentality, once I lost everything, once I picked myself back up, um, I, I, ended, I didn't end up filing bankruptcy, but I came pretty close. I, I was on my way. I called my attorney. I was like, hey, listen. Um, I'm not running. I'm not fleeing. So don't indict me. Don't come looking for me. Right. But I did what any responsible businessman would do. And I drained my bank account and I went to Costa Rica to go surfing. I had to just clear my head. Um, so I, I, I just had to get out of Dodge, man. I just had to, I had to figure out who I was sure. and what this one and only life was about. But losing the construction company, it's, it's an old country song. I lost my girl. I lost my trucks and I lost my dog, man. And I was at that moment, I was done. Tell us a little bit about what, what was it like down there in Costa Rica and uh, uh, how long how long were you down there for? What was the deal with that? So Costa Rica, I had every intention in staying for like a couple months, but it only ended up being a couple weeks. Um, and while I was there, um, I really took bare necessities. Um, I stripped everything down like I had some shorts. I had surfboard and i think uh, not ipod or airpod it was it wasn't the technology that we had then but it was music because music yeah. is good for the soul and so while i was there i did some hiking i did some surfing and i was in a hammock at rocking jay's beach club on the caribbean side of costa rica and i was probably 15 feet away from the ocean and i'd taken it i'd grabbed a journal with me um as i left my parents house i had to move back in with my parents and I took a journal with me and that night 
I never felt so alone in my life. Like I had all these people around me, but I just started weeping. Um, And I just, I argued with, I lead by faith, but like, I mean, I started arguing with God. I I said, you made a mistake. You picked the wrong person. I should have died. Shannon should have never died. You made a mistake. And in that moment, like all these emotions rushing out and the word cancer came out of my mouth for the first time in Costa Rica um, in probably about 12, 12 years, maybe. And in that moment, I grabbed the journal and I opened it. I was like, all right, I'm going to write down my life story. I'm going to just get all these emotions out. But the reality is only one word came out. And the word that came out was hope. And I had no idea what it meant. And then I would try every day that I would come back to that journal after hiking in the caves or just, just journeying through Costa Rica, I would come back, open that journal and I couldn't write anything else. So all I did is I would grab my pen and I would just circle around that word hope. And then in that, by me just circling, I'm like, well, there is nothing else. What if I'm supposed to provide hope? And then I ended up, I'd love to tell you, I came back on a white horse charging, um, going to change the world. No, I came back cause I ran out of money. Like I was still trying to figure this thing out. Um, yeah. Costa Rica, that word hope changed everything for me. So your parents, did they kind of help you get back home? They did. My parents okay. said, I think it was, I, I think they still have Western union now, um, but that <laughs> I think is how they ended up having, I was broke, man. Um, but they ended up helping me get back home, live with them for a little bit. Um, I love to tell you that like that, like I truly changed in that time frame. Now it wasn't overnight, but I ended up getting the girlfriend, my fiance that broke up with me. Um, I ended up getting the girl back because I truly changed. And now we've been married for 10 years. I got two beautiful kids. So I I really did change. Um, So that's always fun. I tend to leave that part out of the story, but um, she didn't sign up to to be part of this nonprofit thing. But man, she has supported me every step of the way. So you're so Eric, you're back at home and a buddy asks you to do a fundraiser for a local children's hospital and the hospital knew you were a pediatric cancer survivor. Can you tell us about that experience? Sure. Um, so I was there, um, ended up presenting one of those really big fundraising checks. I'd never yeah. seen one before. Someone called me a philanthropist, right? And I kind of jumped at him. I'm like, what'd you call me? Like anything with the is on the end couldn't be good. So <laughs> I had no fundraising experience. Someone says all this stuff. So I ended up getting a big check um, and I was able to present the check to CHKD. And at the same time I got in the elevator, all these other people got in the elevator and it was, their check was for like 1.7 million. I was kind of looking at their number and mine was only for 7,000, but they let them go first. I was like, that's, that's the dumbest thing. I'm like, my 7,000 is nothing on that. So the, the reason I'm telling this is like that moment, there was not even adult chairs in the hospital area for me. So I had to yeah. go sit in a little tiny kid chair with my big check. And then what happened, this moment changed everything. I was pouting. My wife likes to call it pouting. Yeah. And I'm sitting there waiting my turn. And I hear, uh, I see a little boy, bald as a cue ball turn the corner mock speed and then i hear this god awful racket like well that that noise and attached to that god awful noise the god awful noise was an iv pole and attached to the iv pole was a mama bear running as fast as she could to keep up with that little guy and he came around that corner he stopped right in front of me 
And he asked me, he's like, what are you doing? And I'm a competitive guy, right? Like, yeah. like I'm just sitting here, man. Like, he's like, you want to play a video game? I'm like, yes, but I'm not going to let you win. You ask my kids, like, I don't let people win. <laughs> so I ended up playing. But as I'm sitting there, his mom's like, who are you? I didn't have a name badge. I didn't have anything. She's like, what are you doing? And for the first time in, in about 12 years, the story that I just told you in a lot more detail, I just started talking about the story that I've been given about the cancer journey, losing everything. And here I am just giving money and being a cancer survivor. And as I'm talking, what I start to notice is the mom's eyes start to well up. I'm like, oh, great. I just, I'm making this lady cry. I'm not supposed to be here. But she said the words that changed everything. She said, Eric, I want you to know that you give me and my husband hope that my son will be sitting in your seat one day. And right then, yeah. right in that moment, that word hope, I hadn't heard it since then. I'm like, I'm supposed to provide hope to kids fighting that are battling pediatric cancer. How? That's another question. Right. But that word, I'd never, I hadn't heard it like that. And I, for the first time in about 12 years, I had a purpose and I had a direction. But purpose isn't this mystical thing for me. Purpose, what I believe is like purpose is a direction. Purpose is an aim. And I had an aim. I had a direction. And I had a word. That's a great story. Eric, you're still broke. You're doing small construction jobs for some money. Your friend, Keith, asks you to do a small job <laughs> constructing a backyard play set. Can you, can you describe that experience for us? Oh yeah. So it is. So the only, I hate, I hated to paint. Only jobs I could get was painting. So I was complaining to Keith and he was like, well, I got this place set in the backyard. You can Let me break away for a moment to tell you about a great veteran owned company making awesome products and giving back to the veteran and first responder community. Lucas Rui, an air force veteran is co-founder of the hero soap company in Arizona. He has always had a passion for using natural products, and his products that he manufactures are such a more healthier way to treat your skin. Every product is made in the United States with the highest quality ingredients. All products are created without fragrance, synthetic colorants, parabens, sulfates that are irritating to the eyes, skin, mouth, and lungs, and cruelty-free, meaning these products at the Hero Soap Company are not tested on animals. Each bar of soap is handmade in Phoenix, Arizona. All of the Hero Soap Company's ingredients are sourced from companies in the United States, as well as their clothing line of t-shirts, hoodies, and tank tops. They pride themselves as being the most American company in the United States. The product line includes five ounce square bar-shaped soap with the following scents. The woods. The sights and sounds of nature come to life, infused with pine and cedarwood essential oils. Cedarwood infused with cedarwood essential oil and charcoal, bringing the fragrant feel of the forest into your life. There's tea tree. This bold flavor will soothe, refresh, and make you feel alive. There's lavender. This fragrance will melt away anxiety and tension. Peppermint cool, which will hit you with an amazing sensation of invigoration and exhilaration. There's spearmint. The fragrance will leave a subtle coolness all day long to revitalize the body. And there's lemongrass. Unwind at the end of the day while the lemongrass-infused essential oil enhances your sleep and immunity and the infused goat's milk exfoliates dry and sensitive skin and the coconut oil reduces inflammation and helps skin healing. 
The Hero Soap Company also makes a body wash in 16 ounces. There's lavender, which will let the stress melt off every time you shower. There's the pines. You will be cleansing your body, mind, and soul with the spirit of the forest. The metal. This body wash will be an intense spark for your cleaning routine. It is juiced with an insane amount of oils that carries a current that captures the essence of freshness. The Arctic. This body wash is a glacial breeze of an eye-opening freeze. It has a ferocious peppermint punch that will refresh and restore your mind and body. Don't give it the cold shoulder. Liven up your daily routine with this frosty mint flavor. All the products are reasonably priced, so all can afford to use these natural products. It is so important now that all of us be careful what we ingest into and apply on our bodies. Please check out the website, HeroSoapCompany.com, for pricing and a detailed description of all the products and customer reviews of the products. As a bonus to all It's a Wrap with Wrap listeners, please use the code RAP at checkout and receive a 15% discount. The Hero Soap Company strives to create a brand that pays homage to the values that our country was founded on by our forefathers. With a veteran of the United States Air Force as one of the owners, the company understands the dedication and sacrifice that each family makes to serve their country. A portion of sales is donated back to charities that are focused on helping veterans and our first responders. The company information will be listed in the podcast notes and featured on the podcast website, Facebook page, and Facebook group. Build houses, you can pour concrete, so come come build this playset. So he's like, I, I think he said, like, I'll give you 400 bucks. So I was like, absolutely, still flat broke. Yeah. But I conned my dad into coming because he was free labor. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, man, I can do this. I can frame a house. So I get over there. What he did not tell me was that he had left the place at outside for six months. He had dumped all the hardware into one big giant bucket. And so we're there for about two and a half hours trying to separate, organize everything. And my dad, my dad proceeds to say, he was like, or I look at my dad and I was like, I was like, I got to quit. I was like, I'm going to quit. He's like, no, you're not. I was like, watch me. And so he's like, look in the window. And there was a little girl, blonde hair. And she had a bun on the top of her head. And he's like, she has been there the entire time. And so with that, I was like, all right. And my dad even said, he's like, listen, I'll pay you more. Do not quit on this girl. I mean, you you, you must have looked at that girl's face and said, okay, I'm staying. I can't go. I could. Well, you couldn't. I'm like, all right, they got me now. Right. Right. And so I, I reluctantly, I am cussing and fussing the entire time. And man, it took us about 19 hours to build the playset. And as I'm putting that anchor in, sweat pouring down my face, I look and I tell my dad, I was like, I will never build another playset. And man, <laughs> this little girl busts out the door, runs, gives me a huge hug, hands me a check, and says, Thank you for letting me play. And I look at my dad, tears in my eyes. I was like, I think I'm supposed to build play sets for kids fighting cancer. And my dad, my dad's always supported me in my entrepreneurial endeavors. He was like, okay. He's like, why can't you just get a normal job? Why can't you just do something normal? But in that moment, it clicked. It's just those tiny moments that help push and create the mission. Eric, can you tell us about four-year-old Jillian, how you constructed the first play set for her how you raised money and how you got people to volunteer 
And about the next couple of little girls, you built the play sets for. Sure. We, um, so I, the only fundraising experience that I ever had um, was um, selling Krispy Kreme donuts and for, to get my T-ball uniform. And I just told you earlier, someone called me a philanthropist. I'm like, what'd you call me? Like, don't call me that. Um, so what I did is like, I'd met this little, I'd met this girl and I just committed to build this play set. And then I go back, we were at a restaurant. I was having a beer with one of my buddies and I get up, go, just go randomly ask her. Cause I could tell she was sick. And I come back. He's like, what the heck did you do? I was like, I just committed to build a play set for that little girl. He's like, how the heck are you going to do that? I was like, I don't know. He's like, how are you going to pay for it? I don't know. And then it's like, from that moment, like I just said, we'll sell donuts. And we did. So I um, convinced my buddies. I took 10 of them out for a beer. I believe that pizza, beer, and t-shirts can change the world. I really do. Um, I took nine of my buddies or 10 of my buddies out and said, hey, listen, we're going to build a play set for this little girl. Will you show up and just help me build it? 10 of them or nine of them showed up and nine of them are still in the organization 13 years later. See what we had done for this. We had, we had, we had put wrapped our mind around building this play set for the little girl. So we organized the pieces. The day that we decided to build, it was pouring rain. And one of my, the founding chairman uh, came up and he said, what the heck, what the heck are you doing? How, how'd you get all these people here? I was like, I don't know. Like I asked, <laughs> the answer is always no, if you don't ask. Right. right. So I asked some of my buddies, we sold Krispy Kreme donuts, um, pouring down hurricane status rain. And right before, so we built on Friday night and then we picked her up in a limo on Saturday. And then we finished uh, installing the place at, at Jillian's house the next day. And see, we had wrapped our, our minds around it. Yeah. But when Jillian and Jesse came around the corner, there's a difference between wrapping your mind around something and wrapping your heart around something. Your mind, you can conceptualize it. But when you wrap your heart around something, everything changes. Everything changes. And she ran for that play set. Her mom chased right behind her, tears in the mom's face. Everybody there, there's about 100 and some people that had gathered around to present this play set. Everyone's crying. But the significance of that moment is when Jillian saw that play set for the first time. Guess what she wasn't thinking about? Cancer. Yeah. We won. Every yeah. single time we create those moments and we provide play to a kid fighting cancer, we win every single time. And that's what was the catalyst for where we are now. So you go on a, on a run walk event for cancer and you run into Jessica, little Jackson's mom. Oh yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So again, kind of the same thing as what it was at the restaurant. We had built three play sets for little girls. Um, and I was just saying, I, and you can't request them from the hospital. Like, Oh, it's not Toys R Us, right? You can't just say, can you give me a little boy to build a play set for you? You get them as they come. Right. Yeah. And then I'm at this run walk and then this little kid just, runs right past me and I follow him and it sounds weird, creepy, whatever. Like I follow him and then I walk up to his mom and I said, are you his mom? She said, yes. And can I build your son a play set? And she looked at me. She said, that is exactly what we need because he was in the, he was in the throes of cancer. And she's like, we have been getting our butt kicked. We need something positive in our life. Absolutely. And we built for Jackson um, and there's photos of him, like his grandfather was on my board for some time, but the kid's hanging from the monkey bars and she's like, let him hang. He can do it. And man, he did. And he, I still know him. I still talk to him to this day. I think he's about 13 or 14. He's about six foot two now. 
Um, he's thriving, man. But yeah, Jackson, Jackson's my buddy. And he was uh, the first little boy that we ever built a play set for. I think he was build number four. Great, great story. Rock Solid Foundation. Uh, you guys don't not only build playsets for children with cancer, but you also build what you call ready bags. Tell us uh, how the idea originated and the story of the ready bag. Uh, I think you first built it for uh, a little fella named Brian. Um, so the ready bags, I know that we presented uh, the first ready bag to a guy named Brian Saletti. Um, but the ready bag in general, we were building some play sets. We were doing fairly well. And I just felt that something was missing. Um, so we were in our world headquarters, which is in my parents' garage. Um, a lot of great things are started in garages. And my mom actually threw away cancer, right? There is something called survivor guilt. Yeah. Um, my parents have me, my, my aunts and uncles don't have their kids. So even now, like cancer is very rarely talked about at Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? So it's just survivor guilt. It's a real right. thing. Um, so I asked my mom, I said, mom, let me ask you a question. What's the one thing you remember on the day that I was diagnosed? And she reluctantly, she proceeded to tell me, she said, Eric, I remember that your dad had to leave me on the worst day of my life to go pack an overnight bag. No family should ever be split up on that. Your dad is my rock. And he was not there on one of the worst nights of my life. And my dad had to leave her. And he had, like, even as the story goes, like my dad ended up getting lost on the way home because he was so devastated. So then I was like, I looked at her. I was like, well, why did he split? Why did you, why did he have to go home? She's like, we didn't have anything. I didn't have a toothbrush. I didn't have anything to survive at the hospital. And I looked at her. I was like, what if we eradicate that moment from the face of this earth? What if we could provide a way for families never have to be split up on the worst day of their life? Why don't we pack a bag for them? And so that's where the journey began. These rock solid ready bags, they have his and her toiletries. It's got a blanket in there. It's got a thermometer. It's got AirPods. It's got a universal cell phone charger. Um, it's got a tablet because now the kids' playgrounds become the tablet. That's the yeah. play zone, right? They're not out playing. Um, and so we started doing those. We donated those first bags to the local children's hospital, right where um, I met the family about the play set. And then from there, Rock Solid Foundation has been able to bless over um, 90 children's hospitals now all throughout the United States. And we give them to the hospitals. We give the bags to the hospitals. And then when a doctor walks in and says, I'm sorry that your child has cancer, in walks a rock solid blue ready bag where no family ever has to be split up on one of the worst days of their life. That's awesome. That's, that's really awesome. Eric, what, what are those play sets you provide to the children and their families mean to them? I think what the play sets um, mean to them and for the kids. So it's kind of twofold. Um, also, the play sets are just as much for the siblings, too. Um, I have a very soft spot in my heart. My sister, I have an older sister. She ended up living with my grandparents the first like or three years of my cancer treatment cycle. Um, so these play sets are just as important for the siblings as it is for the child, because if baby bear, we call them mama bears and baby bears. If baby yeah. bears not feeling good, well, guess what? The siblings can go out and have a safe place to play too. And what it means for these families, it's a safe place for them to play, but it's also them giving them a little bit of freedom back because public places become off limits to kids fighting cancer, especially parks. But I truly believe we give them a moment to where cancer does not win. We give them a moment to be a normal family. They see the play set. 
and cancer is the farthest thing away from them. I truly believe that we have a saying at Rock Solid, what does hope look like? That is what hope looks like. When we're a community comes together, they don't even know the people that are building the place set in their backyard. The community comes together to say, I love you. I don't even know your name, but we're here for you. It's just a, it, they get the sense of community and they get the sense that cancer has not won that day. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, you received a request uh, to build a play set on the West Coast. I think it was Oregon. And you pondered over it due to finances involved. Tell us about that event and how it affected you. Yeah, that was probably one of the hard up to, I mean, that was probably one of the hardest things because when you start an organization or when you start something from scratch from zero, you get in this fight or flight mode, right? You're just, you're trying to protect, you're trying to grow the organization. You're trying to become a leader. You're trying to finances everything, right? You have all this stuff coming at you sure, and scratching and clawing. And Rock Solid, this was probably year five. I worked for free for the organization for the first four years. And then the fifth year, I ended up getting a little bit of a salary. But as we were starting to gain some momentum, we weren't at zero every single month in the bank account. And I get a phone call from a family that we had already built for, but their nephew had been diagnosed on the West Coast. And they asked me to go. We had the money. Like, I'm telling you, like, we had the money to do it. But I got scared. I was like, well, we've never done that before. I don't think I can do that. What if we run out of money? What if we don't have this? What if this donor, but all of this doubt and fear consumed me. And so I'm, I'm a charge hard type of guy. And as I'm wrestling with this, I, I, tell, I tell him no, that we can't do it. Well, then a couple weeks later, probably a couple months, I'm trying to be more accurate on the story. But a couple months later, um, I finally get the courage to do it. I'm like, you know what? We're going to do it. And I call and man, the little guy ended up passing away before. Yeah. And in that moment, like that moment hasn't defined me. It's refined me. Right. So it's like, I didn't get in this to grow a multi-million dollar thing. Right. We got in this to change the world for kids fighting cancer. And from that, because it was the mindset, right. I was consumed by fear. It's, it's fear. It's what if, right. What if we build it? You got fear. But I believe the best things in life are right on the other side of what if. And I, I promised that I would never say no. And now, just because you can't do something doesn't mean you should, right? That was a little reckless. Um, but man, something changed with me relentlessly that um, I said the next person, the next time someone asked me to build a place that I don't care where it is and we have money, we're going to build hope for that family no matter where, no matter what. Awesome. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about the struggles you have encountered building rock solid. What kind of struggles? Man. <laughs> um, I think that if I could sum it, I get asked this question a lot. Um, I think the part that I was not as prepared for is um, with some of the kids passing away. Um, that's, that's extremely challenging. Um, the grind I think from learning how to raise the money, what I've learned in this is that if you focus on the people, the money will come. Um, and if you get it backwards, if you focus on the money, then the people won't come and you can't build a community without people. Um, I've learned that people come and go in cycles and you can't take it personal. Um, that life changes what I believe in about three year increments. Um, and people are the beautiful part 
of what I do and what this organization does, but people are also the hard part. Um, everybody has opinions, right? And just because right. you can do something doesn't mean you should. And the, the other thing is for me specifically, the last couple of years, um, even with 2020, is it as an organization that you have to be married to the mission, not the model of your organization, because everybody's model was flipped upside down in 2020. And that's hard because you got to test and you got to pivot. You got to test and you got to pivot. And the way that I look at it is cancer treatment cycles, the people that are trying to find the cure, they're testing hard, they're failing every day, they're pivoting, trying to find the cure. Well, I can't change the fact that these kids have cancer, but I can change how they live with it. And I'm married to that mission, not the model side. So um, kids passing away, all of it's hard, but it may not always be easy, but it is always worth it. And it's um, at the end of the day, I'm extremely honored to be here 13 years later um, from starting the organization. It's been an incredible journey, but it's been challenging, but it's been extremely rewarding. So I hope, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, I think, yeah that definitely. Um, yeah. That was- I mean, I could go on and on. That's a so like, all right, where do you want to start in the finances, bookkeeping? Let's go. Yeah. Like, no, you, you, like- you answered that eloquently. Okay. Who, Eric, who has had the most influence on your life? Um, that would hands down be my dad. Um, my mom and then my sorry my thumbs up on my ipad is doing some weird stuff i don't it just happens that way um i haven't figured out how to turn that off but the biggest influence um is definitely my dad my dad has bent over backwards he's worked hard the man worked like three jobs when i got diagnosed he sold everything that he cared about like his jeeps and um he has just taught me how to be a servant leader um my dad has taught me how to love my dad has taught me how to lead And he has just been there for every single crazy idea. My mom's been there too. But man, my dad has like, my dad has just walked me through some of the hardest stuff in my life. And even now, um, he still like, he still helps me every step of the way. And my dad said something to me. He said, listen, I don't have any money. And we didn't grow up poor, but we didn't grow up with a lot of money. He's like, I can't buy you everything. He said, but I'll give you the, the sweat, blood and tears off of my body. And I'll help you do whatever you need to do. And that's just really stuck with me. So definitely my dad. And I've had mentors all throughout my life and my career. But my dad by far has the biggest influence on me. Oh, he sounds like a great man. Where, where is Rock Salad now in the scheme of things? And talk about the community you have created titled The Beam. And why the name The Beam? Yep. So Rock Solid Foundation, we don't sell donuts anymore. I'm not above it. I will if I have to. Sure. Um, and so, but we've been blessed. We've been able, just for perspective, um, last year we closed out and we have distributed 20, over 2,100 Rock Solid Ready Bags to 90 hospital partners throughout the United States. Um, we were able to complete over 500 play sets last year for kids fighting cancer. And we are building community all over the United States. So what's transitioned is where we were experts at building the play sets, which is great. But now we're becoming experts at building the community and then empowering the community to build the play sets. That's when true significant change happens. Um, So we've we've been very blessed. Um, We're married to the mission, not the model. We're relentlessly chasing kids fighting cancer. Um, And 2020, um, after the shock, we came out of the grave, revamped our whole business model, and we went charging ahead. Um, and so from that, 
something called the beam was created and the beam is our monthly donation platform and it's a community that we're building and the reason that it's called the beam is because on a play set the swing beam is the most significant thing on there to balance everything out so you have this big tower the yeah. swing beam balances everything out but what the swing beam does too to install the swing beam it takes multiple people it takes multiple hands and the swing beam for us is what balances the chaos of cancer and so we can't do that without empowering the community so the community is called the beam and the beam was created to help financially support us building playsets you join the community we get to the latest and greatest information uh, leadership is taught in there you get i mean there's a lot of pros and benefits that come with it but it was created to help amazon has the flywheel right it's it, it what makes it spin faster it okay. takes a little while to get it going but the community of the beam is what's truly powering the spread of rock solid foundation throughout the United States not to build a global organization but because there's close to 16,000 families a year that get diagnosed with pediatric cancer and one day rock solid foundation will be able to love and serve every one of them but it's through the efforts of the beam and all of our other supporters throughout but the beam is our latest and greatest monthly donation kind of subscription that there's a lot of great stuff in it Sounds great. Eric, you've written a book titled What Hope Looks Like. What prompted you to write it and what is it about? So what's what got me to uh, write What Hope Looks Like is that um, I've always had a unique perspective. Um, I'm the out of, outside of the box type of thinking guy and everything to start an organization, to start a nonprofit foundation. I had to Google and it was trial and error. And everything that I Googled and everything that I found, I hated everything that I saw. I realized that nonprofit is a very old, non-disturbed business, right? Organization type yeah. of way of thinking. And so I wrote this book where it came about. I was like, well, what if there's someone that has gone through some sort of pain in their life and they want to do something about it? What if I could help speed up that moment, that time frame of where they were in the nitty gritty of trying to figure out how to start an organization, how they were going to do it, how they're going to raise the money, how they were going to get the volunteers. What if we could help speed that up? And then reality, they would get to loving and serving their community that they're called to love and serve. And the title of it is what hope looks like use your pain to fuel your purpose. And I believe that people in this world have walked through some sort of pain. They've walked through it. They've navigated. They have picked up experiences to where there's somebody walking into the pain that you just walked out of. And so the book came from that. The book came from my struggles for the last 12, 13 years. And I want to help people arrive to not allow their pain to be their prison. But what if we could help their pain become their platform that could then help and change the life of another human being? Sounds like a great book for, uh, for people who want to start a, a nonprofit or that type of thing. Sounds like a great right. A great book. In this incredible journey you have made from rock bottom, like you talked about being at rock bottom in Costa Rica to where you are now, on the whole journey, what story about this endeavor stands out the most? I think the thing that changed everything for me is um, I'm, my title is chief play officer, but in reality, it's CEO, right? Chief everything officer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at that time, when we had first started, man, we, we could barely, we could barely afford like anything, but we had just had some hats and some t-shirts made. And then we gave them to some volunteers and I'm, I got the build started in the back and the, um, 
from starting the building back, I went up front. To, I was on a BlackBerry, I think is what I was doing. So I was typing and this kid on one of those Razor scooters kept coming in front of me. And he was like, it's super rocky road, super annoying. Like, I was like, man, I, I got to get this done. Doesn't this kid understand I'm trying to start a movement here, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting there and finally, right in front of me, he's like, what you doing? And I have, I have my phone. I'm like, I'm building a play set. And I go back to it, super rude, super rude to this kid. He's like, she's sick? I was like, yeah, she's got cancer. And then I realized, I was like, she's got cancer. He's like, you're just giving her that place that I was like, well, people, people give us money so that we can then love and serve. We can build her a place. He's like, oh, okay. A few minutes later, probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, I hear the kid walking down the street and lo and behold, and what I heard was 73 pennies and a dime in his pocket. His grandma was behind him crying. A lot of my stories involve crying, right? Like me crying. Like that's what yeah, I, when action, I heard the right? story, I started crying <laughs> and he's walking down the street. And from that, he stops right in front of me. And the grandma says he emptied his piggy bank. And get, he wants to give everything he has to that little girl fighting cancer. And I took that money and the most significant, that's what like focus on the people and the money will come treat everyone like a million dollar donor. That's all this stuff was going through my head. I'm like, this kid, what happened? I took my hat off, gave him my hat. I gave the t-shirt, right? I walked him around that build site and I treated him as if he just gave me a million dollars because in reality he did because yeah. he taught me how to make every single person important that wants to join my mission. And that kid, 83 cents. So like <clears throat> we've been given a lot. We've been blessed with some money. Not a lot. We have plenty more we need to raise. So if you're hearing this, please consider. But the most significant donation, because I get that a lot. They're like, oh, I only have $10 to give. I'm like, $10? Do you know what we can do with $10? Or somebody's like, I want to give you $100,000. I'm like, that's great. It's important. But guess, let me tell you about the most significant donation I've ever received. Because we're going to treat at Rock Solid Foundation, the person that gives us $10, we're going to treat them the same way that someone gives us 100000 because they're married to our mission, not our model. So yeah, that, that, that story of the little guy, man, changed everything for me, changed everything, treat everyone like a million dollar donor. That's a great story. He, he really tried to lesson on that one. What message do you have for those out there currently approaching or at rock bottom to lift themselves out of it? What message do you have for them? So I would, I would encourage anybody that has found themselves in the, in that moment that I, I write these three questions down and this is what I would encourage them to do is like, if you're at rock bottom, then these are the questions that I write down. And I ask myself that is who am I, where am I going and what do I believe? Because what happens once you focus on it, well, who am I? Then it starts focusing on you. And then those are the questions that start to stem but also for family members. Um, so those are the three questions. Who am I? Where am I going? And what do I believe? I would stop, write it down and ask yourself that. And then that at least gives you a little bit of direction. But the other part is I've been blessed. And yes, I'll say the word blessed to be able to sit with families on I've preached funerals um, where they have lost their kids. So I've sat with people at some of the lowest moments of their lives. And I would say that it's okay not to be okay. Um, and the water is in the valley. So a lot of people like navigate, like climbing mountains. 
Um, I'm in a valley right now. I'm in the lowest spot. But keep in mind, there's not much water on the top of the mountain. The water and the nutrients is in the valley. And I would just encourage you to find someone, find someone in your corner and then ask those questions, walk through those questions. But it's okay not to be okay as well. And I, I just think that I take the word quit and some positive affirmations. Like I say these to my kids every single night is like, you're a Newman. We're strong. We're courageous. We're one of a kind. We're unique. Best of all, you're a Newman and Newmans don't quit. And I would just, just speak out loud, right? You got to get the right. words out of your head and start speaking it into existence, write it down. And once you speak it, it becomes harder to kill. Eric, that, that's really, that was a great answer. Eric, what excites you uh, the most going forward in your work? I think what excites me the most is seeing now my, my seeing leadership in the people that we've invested into the last 13 years is like my whole philosophy of leadership and what excites me the most is that I become less, they become more. And so even as like the, the organization grows and like me investing into the leadership of this organization, because one day I'm, I won't be here and I'm not leaving the organization tomorrow, but you got to plan with the end in sight, right? Yeah. And so at the end of this, if we get to the end of Rock Solid Foundation and my wife and I, we, we exit the organization and it goes to hell in a handbasket. I don't even know what that means, but it's still like I've heard it my whole life. So, yeah. <laughs> but if it goes, if it goes bad, then we've wasted our legacy. And what excites me the most is I, I, I have seen leadership grow throughout our organization and I get the honor to love and serve Rock Solid Foundation. We got, we got four customers. If you really want to know how we roll is our customers are the families, the donors, the volunteers. And our staff of Rock Solid Foundation, they're considered our customer. And the better I love and serve our staff, the better they love and serve our customers. So I think that's the leadership side and just teaching people how to lead um, and how to, how to do it in a servant heart way to where you become less, they become more. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. Uh, you're, you're just so prolific. Eric, how can people contact you? You can um, find me on Instagram. So me specifically, you can find me on Instagram. What about the, the organization? Yep, Rock Solid Foundation. You can find Rock Solid Foundation, um, rocksolidfoundation.org, R-O-C. Remember the cave fell off, um, rocksolidfoundation.org. Okay. And I'm sorry, but the Instagram, what was that? Oh, the Instagram um, is the Newman Experience. And then Rock Solid Foundation is the Instagram as well. Okay. Uh, I'm going to list that in the podcast notes. Uh, thank you so awesome. much. Thank you so much, Eric, for sharing your inspirational story with us and for all the awesome work you and your community of God's helpers are doing to help pediatric cancer patients. Uh, I wish you Godspeed and nothing but success going forward for you, your family, and Rock Solid. Uh, anybody out there who uh, has comments and suggestions for the podcast, uh, you can email us. It's a wrap with rap at gmail.com. The website is it's a wrap with rap.com. You can drop your email uh, on there and get on our mailing list. Facebook, it's a wrap with rap. Our Facebook group, it's a wrap with rap. Uh, and it's gaining a lot of a lot of momentum. We have a lot of people in there. So if you want to join, uh, the more the merrier. 
Instagram, it's a rap, it's a rap with rap podcast and YouTube. All the episodes are on YouTube. It's a rap with rap, the podcast on cut. Thanks everyone for listening. Please stay safe. And for now it's a wrap.